morning, church. Let's stand together. As we light the candle of hope on this first Sunday of Advent, we remember that the word Advent is Latin for the coming or arrival. And we remember that Christ was born into the world. His arrival brought a great hope of our salvation. His birth signaled the beginning of his ultimate victory on the cross. Let us begin this Christmas season by celebrating the hope that we have in Jesus and prepare ourselves by engaging in a season of worship. Let's pray as we begin our service this morning. God, thank you for giving us hope. God, an expectation that no matter what we're going through in our life, in our world, that God, you will come again because you have come. And Lord, we worship you in this place today. We praise you with all that we have, with our heart, mind, our soul, and our strength. And we give you glory. God, whatever baggage we brought into this place, whatever mental things that we're dealing with and struggling with, problems, concerns, just for these few moments, God, let us just lay them at your altar. Let us just place everything before your feet. Remember that you're the reason, God. You're the reason we're here. And Lord, you are worthy to be worshiped and to be praised. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
like This is what freedom feels like This is what heaven sounds like We praise you, we praise you This is what living looks like This is what freedom feels like This is what heaven sounds like We praise you, we praise you Giants fall. Here 
crossing this death is just a doorway into resurrection life if I join you in yourself
Praise you, Jesus.
hope that you had a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving filled with lots of yummy food and loved ones. Um, we are in the Christmas season here. And let me just say, I love Christmas at Anastasia Church. If this is your first time, I wanna encourage you to stop by our welcome desk. We have a gift just for you. You can also text the number 904-441-6900 and text the word connect. That will pull up our digital connect card. And whether this is your first time or you've been here for a while, it's a great way to send prayer requests. Um, we pray over those each and every week. You can also text that same number and text the word news and that will pull up our digital bulletin. Some things that are happening, one of our traditions at Anastasia is caroling at the gazebo. And that is happening this Friday at 6 p.m. I hope that you will join us for this very special time. Also, um, we have many Christmas Eve services that are happening. You may have received a Christmas at Anastasia card. Um, you can check the times for all of those services and also grab one to give to a friend. It's a great opportunity to invite someone who may not otherwise attend church. And as we are growing and getting ready for our new building, we have a few uh, growing pains that we will get through, one of which is a planned power outage during the week of December 12th through the 16th. And because of this, we will not have any of our midweek activities happening that week. So thank you so much for your patience and understanding during this time. With that said, as we come into this time of giving, um, we highlight every Christmas season, Lottie Moon. Lottie Moon was a missionary to China over a hundred years ago. And one thing that she was very faithful in doing besides reaching the Chinese people was encouraging her friends and family back home in the States to be a part of the mission. And each year at Christmas, we honor her legacy and her memory by giving to missionaries. And there's multiple ways that you can do that today. Um, we have envelopes at each of the giving boxes designated specifically for Lottie Moon. Or you can text the word give to that same number and choose Lottie Moon from the drop down. Our goal as a church is to raise $40,000 to go to missionaries across the world who are sharing the good news of Christ. With that, will you please pray with me? Dear Lord, as we come into this season where we remember the greatest gift that was ever given, I pray that we will um, honor you and our deeds and our giving in every way that we can, Lord, from our morning breath till we go to sleep, Lord, that we would give honor to you. And one of those ways, God, is by giving back what you have already given to us. And as we remember the legacy of Lottie Moon, Lord, I pray that it will not just be a legacy that's in the past, but that we will be a church that continues to spread the good news across the globe. We thank you for your gift. Amen. Morning. I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I don't know if anybody's tired of eating leftovers at this point, right? Come on, come on, anybody with me, right? Uh, we, you know, Thanksgiving was just three days ago, and if I have to reheat, recook, reserve, redish turkey, sweet potato casserole, mashed potatoes, right? Green bean casserole. I don't know that I can do it anymore, right? I think sweet potato casserole has become a bad word in our household right now. 
That I can't, I can't, I can't eat anymore, right? She's over it. But hey, we're we're glad that you're here this morning. We're we're thankful that you chose to be here with us. And uh, you know, we're right around the time, uh, right around the season, right around the corner to Christmas. And so we're starting our new Christmas series, and I'm excited about it. Uh, the series is called A Stable Influence, and we're going to be looking over the next uh, couple weeks as Jesus's life and his leadership, how it influences you and I at every turn and every corner of our life. Regardless of our, our, our age, our gender, our skin color, or our nationality, Jesus has provided us an example for which to live and to thrive in life. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at how Jesus' life influenced us collectively, but uh, more so individually in some cases, and so we're going to look at that. But you know, following Thanksgiving time is a big season of influence, Right? Uh, I, I don't know how many of you following Thanksgiving Day decided to go shopping. Anybody? Anybody? A few of us. Okay. A few of us decided to maybe go Black Friday shopping. Statistics say that 70% of Americans go shopping on Black Friday or the days following Black Friday, right? And so a lot of people are being influenced to buy things. And a lot of that influence comes from advertising, right? Advertising on your cell phone, on your social media, your email, your text, your TV, billboards, uh, even when you close your eyes at night, right? There's advertising happening, right? And it's advertising to convince you to become a consumer and to buy something, right? And so uh, wherever we go in this time of season, right, you're being influenced to buy and to purchase things. And, but the crazy reality is that as we celebrate Christmas and the birth of our Savior, Jesus' birth has influenced us in a huge way. But his influence was not that we would buy the latest gadget. It's not that we would buy the perfect gift. But his influence is that we would live in relationship with him. And by living in relationship with him, that we would know a fuller, more meaningful, more abundant life that comes from his sacrifice on the cross. That's his desire. That was his influence. And so this morning, as we start our new series, we're looking at Christ's influence, and, and we're going to take a week, and we're going to look at how Christ has set an example for us. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at different uh, kind of demographics of how Jesus has influenced us. Today, we're going to be looking at how God has influenced us as men. Next week, we're going to look at how God has influenced uh, women. And, and so, but I would say this, regardless, this morning, if you're here and you're a, a man or a woman, I would say don't tune out, Right? Uh, because the way that God and Christ has influenced us as men is important for the ladies in the house to know how Christ has influenced us. Because as, as we know that we all play a role in shaping our understanding who, of how God has called us and equipped us to be and how he has created us, right? So we have that understanding. And with so much in question about the identity of men and women on the line, it is important for us all to understand how Christ has called us, he has influenced us, individually and collectively. You know, mothers in the house, you have the potential to raise sons. You have the potential to speak uh, the expectation that God has placed on their life. You have the potential to speak life into them. Uh, if you're in here and you're a lady and you're not married yet, one day uh, you may be married. And, and those expectations that God has placed on men and, and really how he has shaped them, how he has called them is gonna be important in that relationship that you hold together. And so it's important for us all of us to understand how God has influenced us, how Jesus' life has influenced us, and those norms that he's placed in our life. And so I, I think this message this morning is a message for all of us to hear. 
I want to start this morning by reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And really, this is Luke's account of the birth of Christ. And so I'm going to read the first few verses. If you're able to this morning, I want to invite you to please stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. And this is Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor over Syria, and all went out to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for him in the inn. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. I wanted to read the first part of the account of Jesus' birth uh, this morning, just the first part, for us to understand Jesus' influence on the world at his birth. Just as he came into the world, just as he took his first breath, he was already influencing the world around him. From the very beginning, his life carried influence uh, on Rome. It carried influence on the local government. It influenced Jesus' mother, Mary. It influenced Jesus' father, Joseph, right? There was influence that Jesus had from the very beginning of his first breaths on earth. He was giving influence. And his influence is still felt, it's still known, it's still understood, even in our today, uh, our lives today. But as Jesus grew up and he matured and he began his ministry on earth, that influence grew and grew and it has come to the place where even us today, some 2,000 years later, are greatly influenced, we are greatly impacted by the life and ministry of Jesus. But regardless of where you are, regardless of who you are, Jesus has provided you and I an example for which to live our lives. And for men in the house, I believe that God has, has set an example through his son Jesus for which for us to be and to live and to carry forth and to be successful in our lives, to make our lives count and be meaningful for the glory and for the honor of the Lord. 1 Peter 2.21 says it like this, for this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his footsteps. My prayer for myself, for each and every one of us, for the men in the house, is that we look and we examine the life of Jesus. We would be encouraged, we would be challenged to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And so this morning, I I want us just to focus in on how I believe Jesus has set forth an example for us as men to live our lives, but I believe he's given us an example for us to shape future generations of men. And so uh, the, if you're taking notes this morning, following in Jesus' footsteps as men means this. The first thing you can write down, servanthood is the job description for manhood. Servanthood is the job description for manhood. I love as we look at the characteristics in the life of Jesus as described in the Gospels, Mark 10, 45 says this, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In other words, Jesus' example for us as followers of Christ, as men in the faith, is to be servants, to serve him first and foremost, but to serve those around us. 
You know, I, I, I think as we talk about if there was a, a job description for what it, God is laying out for us to be men of faith, I think it's pretty simple, but you know, at my time in Anastasia, part of the role that I have is in discipleship pastors. I lead our discipleship team and I oversee a lot of our positions that we have in discipleship. And throughout my time in Anastasia, I've had to write a lot of job descriptions, a lot of job descriptions. And can I tell you, writing job descriptions is a very difficult task, right? When you're trying to put a job description and trying to put all that's required of the position, all that is expected of the position, and you're writing that down, and you're trying to think of that person that maybe is in mind, and you're trying to put all that together. And sometimes when you write all those things down, it can be really complex, it can be really long. And what sometimes I find is that when I put all these things down, I have this job description that's unattainable and unachievable, right? And so I have to really work to make it something that is doable. But you know, and I, sometimes I think as men, we, we think that what God expects of us is unattainable and unachievable. When we think about what it means to be a man of faith, we think there's no way that we could achieve what God has put before us, but I think it's pretty simple. I think it's pretty simple, and, and I think if, if God was to give us a job description on what it means to be a man in his house, what it means to honor him, I think it's pretty simple, and I don't think it's how much you can bench press. I don't think it's if you can change your oil or not. I don't think it's how many chicken wings you can eat in a single setting, right? I think it's really simple. I think the requirements that God has placed for men is, is this, this to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the requirement. And what's the expectation? The expectation is to serve God and serve others. That's the job description. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and serve God and serve others. See, I think that's what he expects of us. I think we, we have these unrealistic expectations, but it starts being in relationship with our Lord and then it feeds out, it blossoms into us serving God with all of our heart and all of our strength and serving others and being committed to that. I believe that servanthood is the job description for manhood. And that if we are gonna be committed to seeking Christ and honoring him, that we need to be servants as men. Servants in our family, servants in our workplace, servants to our friends, servants to our community. We need to commit our lives to serving. You know, I think if we were to look at how the world defines manhood or how they define what being a man is, we would see that it would define it as having power. It would have influence, it would have strength, it would have position. And these are the characteristics that the world says divines, defines manhood. But if we're looking at the scriptural evidence and we look at Jesus' life as our example, I think we see quite the opposite. I think we see when we read what it says in Philippians 2, 7, that Jesus did not even consider equality with man something to be grasped, but he humbled himself in the form of a servant, giving us and leaving us the example that you and I are called to be servants in our faith. See, even in the prophetic depiction of who Jesus would be in the book of Isaiah, it, said, it described him as being a servant to God's will, a servant to the salvific need of humanity. And so if we define manhood on the backdrop of who Jesus was and what the Bible teaches, man is defined by humility and servanthood. It's defined by self-sacrifice. It's defined by giving of oneself for the sake of others. This is the manhood that we see in scripture and lived out by Jesus. This is how he has influenced us and set us an example. Although I would say that 
You know, being a man is more than just servanthood. I think the foundation for us in our lives is committing to be a servant of God. Serving first and foremost God, but then serving others, our families, our friends, our church, our work. You know, Jesus, he, he addressed this for those who were living during his time who thought that, you know, manhood was a position. It was a title. It was, it was wealth. It was something that you had. And, and he addressed this in Matthew 20. And so it says that Jesus called to him and said, uh, he's speaking about the rulers. He says, you know that the rulers, the Gentiles, lord over them. And, they're great, and the great ones exercise authority, right? They have authority and power. But he says in verse 26, it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be a servant. And whoever would be first among you would be your slave. The idea that Jesus is painting for you and I is that we are called to be servants. If you wanna be great, if you wanna make a difference in this life, if you wanna change and impact lives, we must take the form of a servant. Here's the thing, any of us can serve. Any of us can do the act of serving. What defines a servant is not so much what he does, but it's the heart behind the serving. Uh, you know, I could go help my neighbor in a time of need. I could uh, go to St. Francis' house and I could prepare meals to serve them and hand out meals. But if I don't do it with the heart of a servant, then I do things in vain. God calls us not just to have the act of service in our life. He calls us to have the heart of a servant. Having a heart of a servant means not only putting others' needs ahead of our own, but it means to serve with the right motivation and that we put God's will first. Rewards, recognition, or even gratitude cannot be the motivation to live out true servanthood. We must do it to be honoring and glorifying to Christ. You know, when you and I come to the end of our life and we're held accountable for what we did with our time and what our life I think two of the big areas that God is gonna hold us account is first and foremost, did we serve? Did we give of our time, our resources, our actions? Did we give of our lives in the service of the king? I think it's just a simple question, did we do it? But I think the second area in which we are accountable as it relates to that is what was the heart behind our service? What was the heart behind our service? Did we serve for accolades or recognition or reward? Or did we serve out of worship and admiration, out of obedience and honoring the Lord Jesus? I think there's a call for each and every one of us to ensure that we're living a life of service. And Jesus has laid out an example for us as men. And each of us, our resumes at the top of it, it should be that of servant. Second thing that you can write down this morning is shepherding is our greatest objective as men. If we're gonna follow in the footsteps of Jesus, shepherding is our greatest objective. John 10, 14 says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. You know, Jesus serves as our great example of the, the wonderful shepherd, right? He's providing, he's protecting, he is leading his sheep in times of need. Even at times chasing after the one and leaving back the 99, putting an understanding that the needs of the one sometimes outweigh the needs of the 99 and he goes after them. You know, the, the act of shepherding is, is not just providing and protecting and leading physically, it is also spiritually. And, and and I believe that as we look at scripture, God is calling each and every one of us to be shepherds. 
Some of you say, well, Sam, I, I don't see my role as a shepherd. Maybe, maybe a physical shepherd, but maybe not necessarily spiritually. You may say, I see that as the role of the pastor or the ministry leader. But can I tell you, there is a call, as I look in scripture, for those who would be under shepherds, those who would work under the leadership of the good shepherd. And the reason that I believe this is that we look at Jesus' life and ministry as he came and as he came to earth, he only, there was only so much, so many people he could visit and could be with. And so what did he do? He enlisted under shepherds, those who would work under his leadership and his calling that he had placed on their lives, right? And he equipped them to be under shepherds. You know, under shepherds, we talk about physically uh, during that time, were very accepted. Like if you were to see shepherds in the field and it was a large flock that they were overseeing, it was not uncommon to see under shepherds. And they worked under the leadership of the head shepherd and they were extra set of eyes and hands and ears to make sure that the sheep were taken care of. And what happened oftentimes when there were not enough under shepherds and there was a large amount of sheep to oversee, what happened was unfortunate things happened, right? Uh, the sheep that were supposed to be led to pasture and, and to find water and food, they were not able to be led there. And oftentimes if there were not enough under shepherds, sheep would get lost without being noticed. And then a lot of times, if there wasn't enough under shepherds, if there was a wolf that came in among the sheep, there was no one to watch and protect them. And so there was a need for under shepherds. Jesus understood this principle. And so he enlisted disciples, he enlisted his followers to be under, under shepherds and to care for those in the community, in the church. Can I tell you, for us, there's also a call in our life to be under shepherds. And when we don't take seriously the call to make disciples, to shepherd those in our sphere of influence, what happens is the people in our church, the people in our community, they don't, they don't get spiritually fed. We don't reach out to them. We don't share the gospel with them. And we don't take serious the call of shepherding on our lives, especially as men, that what happens is there, there's no one there to protect and lead and to guide our families and, and to shepherd them. And we're not under shepherds. When the enemy attacks, there's no one to, to pick up the pieces and to guard and protect. And so there's this call on our lives to be under shepherds. I know my role is to be a shepherd as a pastor. I realize that my role is to care, lead, and protect the church, but I realize that I am only one shepherd. I am only one shepherd, and there are many, many, a multitude in our church, and to make sure that the church gets cared for and ministered to in the way I enlist under shepherds. I enlist ministry leaders, I enlist life group leaders, and that's why the work of the body is so very important. If we wanna care for our community, if we wanna care for our church, we need to embrace the call of being shepherds in our sphere of influence. We need to be shepherds in our family, we need to be shepherds in our community. That's the call that God has placed on us. If we follow the good shepherd's example, he enlists those who will be shepherds in the field. You know, we need parents, we need men to step up to be shepherds. We need parents who will step up to be shepherds in the family. We need families who will shepherd and care for kids and youth in crisis. We need shepherds in our children's ministry. We need shepherds in our youth ministry. We need a church full of people who are willing to be shepherds over the lost and hurting. That's the call. You know, we, we uh, are in the grassroots of starting a new ministry here at Anastasia named Called the Care. 
And I'm really excited about this ministry because it's really near to my heart in it. Uh, the call to care ministry is gonna have the task of ministering and coming alongside of those families within our church who are fostering or adopting. And the goal and the aim is for them to know that they are valued, that they are loved, that they are cared for, and we as a church, we wanna stand behind them in their effort as they are fostering and adopting. We believe this is important. We believe this is a call for the church, and I'm hoping, even though we're just starting this ministry, my heart and my desire is to see this ministry blossom and not only would we come alongside of those families within our own body of faith and believers and encourage them and help them, that we would encourage other families in the community and that we would raise awareness for the need for foster and adopting families. Many of you may not know this, but November is Foster and Adoptive Care Awareness Month. And the reason why we need more shepherds it's because when you begin to look at some of the statistics surrounding that and looking that there are over 100,000 kids who are waiting for a foster or adoptive family. When you start looking at those statistics, you start with the realization that we need more shepherds in the community. We need more shepherds in this house. So the question for us, the question for men, the question for you as church is are we gonna step up to be the shepherds that God has called us to be in our sphere of influence? The need is great, but the shepherds are few. God's call for us is to start in shepherding in the places that he has put us, in the sphere of influence that he has put us in. Third thing that you can write down this morning is Following in the footsteps of Jesus' men means living within the margins of God's authority. John 14, 10 says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, his works. It's interesting as we look at Jesus' life, even Jesus lived under the authority and the guiding of the Father. It was the Father that led and directed his life. Jesus lived within the margins that the Father placed on him. You know, God gives us margins in life, boundaries, guides, trail markers. And these are there for a reason, right? These are the margins that remind us of the life that God requires and asks of us, that reminds us of the life that he calls us to live and reminds us how we can honor him in this life. But it also reminds us of where God's blessings dwell, Right? When we are faithful and obedient to walk in what God has instructed us in the way that he is leading and guiding us, that is the place where blessing can be found. I think there's a real challenge specifically for men. Sometimes uh, we, we try to live our lives outside of the boundaries and the guides that God has put in our life. But the realization is that when we wanna honor God, we've gotta live within those. True meaning, true purpose, true fulfillment doesn't come outside of those boundaries. It comes within an understanding and embracing God's authority over our lives. You know, um, in just a few months, uh, I'm really excited that about 100 yards directly behind where I'm standing, there's gonna be a basketball court, right? This is gonna be in our family activity center. I'm really, really excited about having a basketball court in, uh, on our campus. I'm, I'm praying that this is gonna be an outreach to our community. This will be an outreach for our children, our youth, our college students. I'm praying that God will use that gym, uh, that basketball court, our family activity center for his glory, for his kingdom, that it's gonna be an outreach to our community. Can I tell you something though? I'm really terrible at basketball. 
I'm like embarrassingly terrible at basketball. In fact, when, when, I, when I was a youth pastor, I used to play basketball with a lot of our kids. And what I found is that when I played basketball on a team with the kids, that a lot of them wouldn't make eye contact with me. It's because they had so much shame with me on their team as a basketball player. But you know, even though I'm terrible at basketball, I got a general idea of how the game works, right? When you, there are boundaries around the basketball court, right? And there are inbounds lines and there are out of bounds lines, right? And so if you make a shot anywhere inbounds, whether it's from the free throw, whether it's from the three point line, whether it's from the half court or the full court, if you shoot from there and make a basket, you get points, right? And when you get points, you set your team up for success to win. Unless I'm on your team, then we're probably not gonna win. But I get the general idea of it. You can shoot anywhere within those bounds and you're gonna be successful, right? The minute that you step outside of those boundary lines, you can make all the shots that you want. You can make it from behind the basketball goal. You can make it from the bleachers or the stands. But can I tell you, all those shots that you make outside the boundary lines, they don't count for anything. I think the same is true for us when we talk about God's boundaries and guidelines in our life. You can have worldly success outside of God's guidelines in your life, outside of his commandments in your life. But can I tell you, at the end of the day, we're talking about living abundant life and we're living for what matters and for God's glory and kingdom. All those shots that we make outside of God's boundary line, they don't, they don't equate to anything. They don't matter. The only thing that matters is that we honor and glorify God by living in the way that brings glory to him and following the ways and the teaching that he has put before us. We've gotta live inside the boundaries and authority that God has placed on our lives as men. Listen, this morning, as we talk about the example that Jesus has left for us as men, my, my goal is not to point fingers, it's not to put blame, it's not to make you feel bad as men. My heart for us is that we would come to the realization that as men, as fathers, as husbands, as church leaders, in the community, that we would acknowledge our deep need for God to lead and direct us. That we cannot be the man that God has called us to be without his leading, without his guiding. So I'm praying that this morning, as we look at Jesus' example for us, his influence over this, that this morning would be a moment of surrender for us. And as we had come to a time of invitation, it'd be an invitation for each of us as men to surrender unto God and say, God, I need your help. I need your leading. I need your help to help me to be the husband that you've called me, to be the father, to be the man that you have called me to be. So as we have a time of invitation, I don't know, maybe some areas you're struggling in, maybe just be humble. Just be honest before God this morning and ask him for help in your time of need. Ladies in the house, I don't know if you have a husband or significant other that's sitting next to you, but I don't know, maybe this morning would be an opportunity for you just to pray over them. It's a tough job, it's a tough role. We all have challenges that face for us, both men and women, and we need the prayers of those people that matter to us in our life. So this morning, as we have time and invitation, maybe you would just take a moment just to pray over that, that man in your life. Maybe it's your son, maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your father. 
however it may be, maybe take just a moment and ask for God's strength to work powerfully in them. And so this morning, as we have a time of invitation, I pray that this morning, that you and me as men, this would be a time of surrender in our life. Maybe right where you're at, maybe you just need to come to this altar and you just need to lay down and say, God, I need your help. I need your leading. I need your guiding. This morning would be a time that you can do that this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. God, we we thank you for your son Jesus, his example for us. And Father, as we look at what it means uh, to to live after your example as men and be a servant, to be a shepherd and, and to live within your guiding boundaries, the margins that you have placed before us, Lord, I pray that God, that we would do these things to honor and to glorify you. But God, I pray, Father, this morning that each of us has a reality and understanding that, God, we desperately need you to show up and to work in our lives. So I pray this morning that this would be a time of surrender and saying, God, not my way, not my will, but your will. God, be done. So God, I pray that you would work among us. God, we love you and we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's stand, let's worship. Man, if God's calling you, come this morning. I'd love to pray with you. Ladies, pray for those who are in your life and, and take time to pray over them. You come this morning.
Thankful for all that God is doing and all that he has done. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday.